you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. chapter 6 and beginning with verse number 9 Brother Corey I have got I don't know if there's a mic on behind me but I speak and it's speaking back to me up here Amen Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9 after this manner therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts. Everybody say forgive us. Forgive us as we forgive. By the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach for a little bit this evening on this subject, the blessing of forgiveness. Would you set your Bibles down tonight and take just a moment to just ask the Lord to allow his anointing to rest upon us in this house tonight. Lord, we need your help tonight in this house. Lord, every every one of us that are in this room needs your spirit and your power. We need the word of the Lord to speak into our hearts tonight. God, we honor you and we give you praise and glory. We lift you up, oh God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Forgiveness is a word that we both love and hate. I, I came tonight with intention and desire to preach a complete different message. And the Lord kept bringing me back to this. And there are times in which um, I have learned that while I may feel like that it's not a topic that, that I want to teach on or preach on, sometimes the Lord just inspires and inspires because he has a purpose for his word to come forth. Does somebody know what I'm talking about tonight? And so whatever that purpose is, I feel the Lord kept bringing me back to Matthew chapter 6 and to talk to you tonight about the blessing of forgiveness. And this word, forgiveness, of course, is a word we, we love to talk about and yet we hate to talk about because we love receiving forgiveness. But most of us have a difficult time giving forgiveness. And the truth is, is that forgiveness releases me from what God never intended for me to hold on to. So when I hold on to things that God never intended for me to hold on to, I am risking becoming bitter, and nobody bitter is ever going to be good for much. And that hurt that we allow to fester in us because of the lack of forgiveness never belonged to us in the first place. It may or may not have even been intended for us, but when the hurt came, we took it into our spirit and we allowed something that should have been deflected off of us by the shield of faith, wherewith we quench all the fiery darts, am I in the word tonight, of the wicked. Give me a few minutes to lay a foundation and we'll go somewhere in this. And the issue is, is that everything that connected to unforgiveness that we grab and hold on to and take that God never intended for us to grab a hold of and hold on to because he has already taken it to his cross. We should never have to bear that because we're not built with the ability to be able to carry the load of unforgiveness. 
forgiveness comes a tremendous responsibility. It's a tremendous grace as it regards what God has done for us. When we repent, He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive our sins. And when God forgives our sins, it is as if He presses the delete button on His heavenly computer and when we are forgiven, we no longer are held accountable for the deeds in which we have just repented of. Now, repentance is more than just being sorrowful. Godly sorrow worketh or bring about repentance. Shedding a few tears and saying, God, I'm sorry, is the beginning of repentance, but repentance in of itself is an about face. It is a change. If I was to stand next to you tonight and begin to poke you on your sore hand and I continued just to poke you at that sore hand and every time you would say ouch and withdraw your hand and I continued to poke at the sore spot and every time you said ouch, I said, oh, I'm sorry. But I continue to poke it. Truly, you very quickly learned that I am not repentant. But repentance is when we make a decision that when we see the error of our ways, that we will make an adjustment and we will change whatever it is that we are doing. And when God forgives us, understand this, He doesn't send our sins to a temporary recycle bin just in case he needs to remind us of them again. That's what we do. You don't have to beg God for forgiveness. Anybody with me tonight? Come on, if you'll help me a few minutes, I'll, I'll, get, you, I'll get you to Pizza Hut or wherever you want me to go to. If you make me labor long tonight, we'll just be here a while. When we're baptized... The Bible says that those sins are remitted. Brother Lane talked about what happens in the water. The sins are removed and taken completely away by the blood of Jesus. And in all reality, this is the true blessing of forgiveness. Is that there is a place that all of our past and all of our wrongs can go to. Every fear, every hurt, every worry, every secret sin that we oftentimes continue to attribute to who we are. It's not who we are. By nature, we are all born into sin. Am I okay to just talk to you for a few minutes tonight? We are born into sin. We are shaped in iniquity. And so we all bear the curse of sin. And so with sin upon our lives, we now all must deal with that sin. But when we go to God in true repentance, the nature in which we have repented of and we have put under the blood in water baptism no longer should be attributed to who you are. 
That's why the Apostle Paul says we are no longer debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Uh, Because what the flesh will do is the flesh will say, once you're a sinner, you're always a sinner. The flesh will say, once you battle with hatred in your heart, you're always going to battle with hatred in your heart. Once you are a cheater, you're always a cheater. Once you are addicted, you're always addicted. But that's not what forgiveness really does for us. Uh, Forgiveness says old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Forgiveness says I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness says I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not a debtor to the flesh to go back and live after the flesh. I don't have to let the the, the, the debt, I don't owe a debt to this flesh to go back and let the flesh dictate to me what I ought to do and what I ought not to do. I I have no, no allegiance to this flesh for I am born again. That means uh, without being born again, you, you're, you're going to always go back to that same old life. That's why you can't just live a repented life. Can I help somebody tonight? There's a lot of people that believe that repentance is as far as you have to go. But listen, repentance is a good first step, but you'll never be able to live at the point of repentance because if so, you're going to just be repenting and repenting and repenting and repenting. You're going to be going back to the point that they were under the law when they were trying to live up to the status and to the standard of the law only to have to deal with the same old sin over and over and over and over. But listen, when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, you're able to live in this sinful world uh, and be able to live in this sinful flesh. uh, But I'm not of the flesh. Uh, I am among them, but I'm not one of them. Uh, Come on, somebody. We have the power of God uh, to be able to live above the law of sin. Now, there's a facet of forgiveness that is more difficult for us to deal with than just the forgiveness of God. And that is when God asks us to forgive those who trespass against us. Oh, my. Or, oh, me. dad told a story one time about a man preaching. He said he sat on the front row right about where Brother Evan's preaching, uh, where Brother Evan is sitting. And dad said he was preaching. And he said it didn't matter what he preached on. That man would say, amen, that's right. And he would go on preaching and he'd, 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 he'd hit on something. That man would say, amen, that's right. He said no matter what he preached on, he said he'd preach on drinking. The man jump up, amen, that's right. And he'd preach on cheating. And the man jump up, amen, that's right. And so dad's just going down the line, and before long, he said, the Holy Ghost will make you stop your snuff dipping. And he jumped up and said, amen, that's just about right. See, when we start talking about forgiveness, we'll all be the the amen, that's right corner. But when it turns around and God says to us, what are you going to do now? Mm, We get a just about right spirit in us. We start saying, ah, I don't know about that. You mean I've got to forgive those that trespass against us? What are we going? It's not easy to forgive and to let go 
of the things that have hurt us and, and forget about the things that have been said about us. Is there the ability in the human mind to actually forget? Is there a place in the human mind to actually forget? I, I doubt not. As a matter of fact, God doesn't have the ability to forget except when it comes to sin and when he puts them under the blood, they are taken away. That means they no longer are accountable to us. They no longer are charged to us. And when we stand before him at judgment, he's not going to read the list of sin that are before the blood. That's why, that's why that I know tonight without a shadow of a doubt that there's no hope for me outside of the blood because I was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore. But Jesus came and rescued me and brought me out of the pit from which I was in and gave me a hope and a future. But that doesn't mean that we can forget everything in our past. Because truly, most of us never truly forget, except when it comes to keys, and then Dylan always forgets. The issue is, is that we've got to learn to let some things go. Hello? We've got to learn to let some things go. Some things we believe we have forgiven until something pushes the internal trigger. And all of a sudden, whatever that hurt that happened, way back somewhere, it's right back up again. Just as we think we have forgotten it. That's why we've got to get under. We've got to put this under our, ourself. We gotta, we've got to live above that. We've got to get, we've got to, we've got to put that behind us, forgetting the things which. I wish I had a preaching church in here tonight. We've got to forget the things that are behind and press toward the mark. Now, when the Apostle Paul said such things, was he empowered by something greater than you and I have? You think he was empowered but something greater, did, did he literally have the ability to wipe his internal memory card clean? I, I think not. This is the same apostle that admittedly said the things I would do, that's the things that I do not. And he said the things that, the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I want to do, I end up not doing. And he goes on and finally he says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And the same, the same guy also writes about stirring up our pure mind by way of remembrance. So there is, there, there is some, there, there, there are some indications here that there are some things that can stir your mind by way of remembrance. Ah, now. The choice becomes ours. What are we going to think on? What are we going to give time to? What are we going to put our best thoughts to? 
When I wake up in the morning, am I going to wake up in the morning and say, I need to remember this? Listen, there is a point when we've got to take the file. Ah, come on, somebody. We've got to take the file that we keep on our desktop that constantly reminds us of every pain and every hurt, and we've got to put it under the blood and say, I'm deleting it. I'm exiting it out. I'm getting rid of it. I'm not going back there again. That is not who I am going to be in the future. It may be who I was, but it's not who I am. I don't think, I don't think the Apostle Paul was being absent-minded or suggesting that we are. I think he's talking about the, the constant cycling of thought processes of pain and hurt and worry and fear and unbelief and everything that would remove us from being the spiritual man or woman that God has called us to be. Maybe biblical forgiveness is refusing to continue to respond to the negative urge within us and us making up our mind to not let what happened in my past to affect my future. Mm-hmm. Because this is what I came to say to you tonight. Even God can't change your past. He can forgive your past, but your past is your past. That's why that the scars of sin may remain. But listen, he will put your sin behind you by the blood of Jesus Christ, wash and cleanse you. But even God himself can't change your past, but he can change your future. Some time ago I I was talking to somebody and they asked me about something that I would rather not talk about. They brought it up to me and asked me about something that's rather sensitive to me. And they they just they mentioned they mentioned the situation to me. And I looked at that individual and I smiled. And I said, I remember forgetting that. They looked at me kind of funny and didn't really catch what I said, so I had to say it again to them. Because they they asked me a second time, because surely, surely that, you know, misery loves company. So surely if they asked me again, I would tell them exactly what's going on and how I feel about the situation. And I looked back at them and said, I clearly remember the day I made up my mind to forget that and to put that behind me. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about where we're going and what God is doing in our future. I don't have to be held captive by things that came, hurts that came into my life. I don't have to go back and let that hurt arise and create the same emotional trauma. Oh, it'll do it if you'll let it do it. It'll, it. The enemy will use it against you if you'll allow him to. But you've got to say, I refuse to allow what happened in my past to haunt me today and haunt my future. Your past ought to not steal the joy of today. It ought to not steal your hope for tomorrow. But truly, you can't truly forgive it until you're completely to let it go. 
any transparency here tonight. Boy, this is dangerous. Because my wife's in the front row. Now, my wife and I, when we get into uh, deep discussions at home, get into deep discussions at home, and I bring up something from a long time ago, and she looks at me and she says, you have the memory of an elephant. I don't even know what that means. But I know what she means. She means you're drudging up something that we've already discussed, that we've already talked about, that we've already discussed heavily over, and this is not going anywhere from here. So you can decide to either discuss it again, or you can let it go. Because I can't change it, and you can't change it, and God can't change it. Because what is in the past is already in the past. But what God can do is he can forgive it. The question is, is can you? I come tonight to ask somebody, what about the pain that you deal with, that you refuse to let go of, that you know is affecting your family, affecting your home, affecting your joy? Can you let it go? The hurt, oh, you didn't even bring it on yourself. Maybe somebody did it to you. Maybe somebody else brought it into your life. Come on, somebody. Can you afford to hold on to something that God never intended for you to hold on to and let it take you? down the path of unforgiveness because the blessing of forgiveness is the moment that you really make up your mind to forgive that really means you can say I forgive but until you take your hand off of it and let it go you really haven't forgiven but the moment that you take your hand off of it and say now that is no longer mine. That hurt has haunted me long enough. That situation has affected me, my family, my children. Because I'm going to tell you what it will do. When that, when that unforgiveness stays in you, it is a root. It is a root. The Bible calls it the root. It changes words here. It goes from unforgiveness to bitterness. I'm way off on my notes right now, treading out in some deep water. The Lord knows why I'm preaching this tonight. I don't even know who I'm preaching to tonight. I have no idea. The Lord hasn't spoken to me and said this is who it's for. But I know what I feel in the spirit right now, and that is that some of us have allowed unforgiveness. We've allowed it to lay deep in our life until we have become bitter over it, and it has changed our countenance. It's changed who we really are. We're not even the same person today that we 
we were when the hurt first came, but we allowed the unforgiveness to live until a big old tree of bitterness has grown up and we're producing fruit of bitterness instead of the fruit of the Spirit. But I come against it right now in the name of the Lord and declare you don't have to allow it to continue to grow in your life. Dig it up. Dig it up. Get the roots out. Dig it up. Put it on the altar and declare I'm going forward with love, with joy, with peace, with long-suffering, with gentleness and goodness and mercy and faith and righteousness. Come on, somebody. Make up your mind. I refuse to allow bitterness to live in me. Oh, somebody give God a hand clap of praise right now. I feel the angels of the Lord in this house. The angels of the Lord is ministering to somebody right now. Let's just seek him for a moment. a little bit longer. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost around here. Behavioral scientists have discovered that we usually see things that we are prepared to see. The actual term in the article that I read, it, it stems from something that is called our reticular activating system. The reticular activating system, everybody has one. In case you didn't know it, you have one. It's the RAS. It's the RAS. Your reticular activating system. It works like this. Once something has been brought to your attention and your brain is conditioned to see something that you've never seen before. From that point forward, when you see a similar image, it notices it and your brain will identify it. While before that you intentionally gave time and energy to it, you would have never recognized it. It's like this. Let's see if this helps you understand what the reticular activating system is and how it works. When you decide to buy a new car and you want one like nobody else has, and so you go and buy the one that nobody else has, the color that nobody else has, the body style that nobody else has, the brand that nobody else, and you go and buy one. The moment that you buy one and you walk around that thing on the car lot, you're going, sign on the dotted line and you pull off the lot and head home and you're driving down the road and you're like, huh. Huh. 
Honey, did you see the car that the neighbor was driving? Just like that. How can you not see it? I, I was the first person to own a black SUV in this town until the day after I bought that thing, and they are everywhere. Everywhere. It's how the articular activating system works. My mind is now programmed to see what I never saw. Uh-huh. This is this is what happens. You see, you you've lived until something real painful happens in you and when it hurts you and when it comes from a friend or a family member or somebody that sits across the church from you. You didn't know that anything like that could possibly happen, not in the house of God. You forget that Jesus was wounded in the house of his friends. You forget all about every scripture that tells you that we are a body fitly framed together, a group of people that are that are not all, we don't all have it all together. You forget everything you ever learned, but all you know is is you feel the pain. And now everywhere you look, I can't, I can't let down my guard because they're gonna offend me. I can't get around them and go to dinner with them. They're going to hurt me. I can't let them get close to my family because they're and you start seeing it everywhere. You go, come on, I'm ministering to somebody right now that needs to make up in your mind I am not going to do what the world wants to program me to do in the name of Jesus I'm going to see faith and hope or you can prepare yourself to see possibilities and opportunities You can prepare your mind. This is why the Apostle Paul tells us to think on certain things. It's because you have the power to choose what you're going to think on. Well, no, I don't, Pastor. The moment I wake up, it comes to my mind. Let it just pass right on through. Just pass it right on through. Well, I can't do that. Go to God in prayer and tell him about it. And after you go tell him about it, let's see what he has to say. And after you do that, why don't you pick up the word of God and see what it has to say about it. And before long, you can replace every negative thought and every hurt and every fear and every worry and every unbelief by the power of the Spirit and the word of God. If you choose not to allow it to rest, See, it's one thing to have feelings. It's another thing to harbor feelings. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to have somebody hurt you. It's another thing to hold on to the hurt. Mm. We've got to decide what is it we want to hold on to. I want to cling to the cross. I want to cling to the fruit of the Spirit. I want to cling to something that's going to give me hope, that's going to say, ain't nobody been, and nobody ever been blessed holding on to a hurt. Uh huh. When you think that you're the only one that's ever been hurt like that, look away to the cross and tell Jesus that. When he said, I have been tempted in all points like as you are. And when somebody says, well, I don't know how many times have I got to forgive them. I don't know. Ask Jesus when he's hanging on the cross. Uh, why don't you look away to him and ask him, how often am I supposed to forgive? Uh, God, you, you tell me. Why don't you look away to the cross? Uh, because when we see the pain and the agony that he endured, there's only one reason that he endured it. So you don't have to endure. Endure it. For he was wounded 
for my transgressions. Oh, pastor, I keep messing up. He was wounded for your transgressions. Uh, he was bruised for your iniquities. The worst sin. Oh, nobody's ever done anything like that. He was wound. He was bruised for your. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Watch, watch, watch. Pastor, these thoughts in my mind. The chastisement. The chastisement of our peace. Isaiah 53, I believe it is. The chastisement of the chastisement of our peace was upon. You want peace in your life? You're never going to do anything to get peace in your life except you're going to put your trust in him. Because every chastisement, when he was spat upon and mocked, uh, when they plucked his beard, when they called him names that weren't real, when they spoke things, all of the chastisement that he went on, that he took upon himself on his way to the cross, he did so for us to be able to live in peace. So every time that the enemy tries to play tricks on your mind and tell you you have to think on these things, you just look away to Calvary and you say he took the chastisement for my peace. Uh, he did that so I could live in peace. <laughs> Come on, lift your hands right now in the room. I've got more to preach. I don't even feel like going much further here. I feel like the Holy Ghost is ministering to somebody right now. Lift your hands all over the room right now. Let the ministering spirit of the Lord rest upon you right where you are right now. I, I, I wish I could come back and lay hands on somebody right now. I don't know who it is that I'm ministering to right now, but I feel the virtue of God flowing from this pulpit tonight. I feel the ministering spirit of the Lord on somebody's life right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. what Jesus said. If you forgive men their trespasses, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you your trespasses. He didn't say as soon as you feel forgive, forgiven, that then there is a requirement upon you to forgive hurts things that have happened in your life. That's not, that's not how God does business. Because God always says, you take the first step and leave the rest up to me. Because he says, when you choose to forgive those who owe you a debt, this isn't talking about a financial debt. You can research it yourself. It's not talking about a financial debt. It's talking about those that owe you an apology. 
those that need to go back and undo things that are never going to be able to un be undone because once the bell is rung, it has already been rang, and you're never going to unring a wrong bell. So I came tonight to remind somebody in this house that what has happened to you, you, you you're just going to have to decide right now. I'm going to forgive it because with the moment that you forgive what you truly deserve to be to receive recompense for, you deserve it. It's yours. You you ought to get paid back for it. You ought to be. They ought to have to grovel in despair. They ought. The moment that you forgive it is the moment that our heavenly Father says, "And now I'm going to forgive you every trespass, every word." That's why when we stand before Him on judgment and the books are open, I believe He's going to look and say, "How did you forgive?" Because the way you forgave others is how I am going to forgive you. Oh, come on, lift your hands right now. Stand with me around this room. There's some folks right now ought to put some things in the hands of God. I feel the spirit of the Lord in the room right now. These altars are open for anybody that wants to step forward and pray. Right now, God is wanting to minister to somebody. He's wanting to help somebody get up from where you are. He's wanting to offer forgiveness to you. Oh, come on, let him heal some things in your spirit right now. Come on, lift your voice and seek the Lord. I know the hurt was real. I know the disappointment doesn't feel good. Nobody takes rejection lightly. I get all of that. What's your choice? Let's just seek him for a few moments. I know this wasn't a fancy sermon. I know we weren't running the aisles tonight and bouncing off the walls, but the ministering spirit of the Lord is here for somebody in this room that will receive it right now. You don't even have to walk to the front of this room for God to do it for you. He can do it right where you are right now. Let's turn this house into a prayer room for just a moment. I know you didn't ask for it, but you can forgive it. Oh, God. Come on, seek the Lord right now. Let's just turn the house into a prayer room for the next few minutes. Yes, God. Come on, turn it over to the Lord. That forgiveness is not going back and undoing what's already been done. You can't undo it. Don't try to unravel it. Don't try to go back and play it through your mind. Don't let your mind keep playing the record over and again. Right now, what you need to do is just reach out to the Lord and just say, God, I release it to you. I put it into your hands right now. I'm not going to seek revenge. I need you, Lord. Come on, seek the Lord right now. Oh, let's just seek the Lord for a moment. Oh, yes, God. Yes, God.
on the path to moving forward is, begins with forgiveness. Put it in the hands of the Lord right now. Make a decision right now. 